I'm going to take a scripture this morning in the uh, book of Esther, uh, in the first chapter. You can turn to the book of Esther in the first chapter, and you can mark that. Uh, and you can also turn over to the book of First Peter, chapter one, uh, and mark that. So again, you can go back into the Old Testament uh, to the book of Esther, uh, and you can also uh, go to the book of First Peter, chapter one. Again, the book of Esther, chapter one, and the book of First Peter. Chapter 1. I want to begin reading in those two places in a minute, but I'm going to read you one other place. If you want to, uh, to the very first scripture I want to read is going to found the book of Romans, chapter 12. So you have marked this morning Esther, chapter 1, 1 Peter, chapter 1. So it's the first chapter of both of those books of Esther and 1 Peter. And also I want to read to you, if I may, one verse, and we'll come back to some more, uh, maybe in just a little bit. But in the book of Romans, chapter 12, and I want to read to you the second verse. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've been thinking a lot about penalties and punishment. I don't know where that those two words came from, penalties and punishment, but I started looking up what's the difference in those two, legally speaking. Now this is going to be absolutely irrelevant, I don't want to ponder on this too terribly long this morning, but I, I was curious about what the difference in penalties and punishment. Now in a minute, I'm going to go ahead and preface this by saying, in the book of Esther, we're going to read about a lady that's going to be punished because of her morals and her ethics. Now I want to say that because if you'll lead, notice what we read there in the book of Romans chapter 12, it says, be ye therefore not transformed to the world. The world has an idea of what morals and ethics are, and I believe God's word does. Now when you look at what, what it means, morals, in the Bible, there's really not a, a plain rule or a law or a definition of morals. Morals usually is defined as the consequence of something that God has hold us accountable for if you do not do that. But I started looking up this morning, and our, our title this morning is Penalties and Punishment. But I started looking up these, and I'm not going to, again, harp on these too much. But there's two kinds of laws, I guess you would say, that are out there. Penalties, and then there are punishments. Punishments are for those crimes that are committed. And I'm going to read the Latin word of this, and this is kind of irrelevant, but uh, it's mala and say. And that just means a punishment for those that that would be a person that has committed a crime like murder. But then there is another word, mala prohibita, which means you've done something and there's a penalty, not because it's wrong, but because it's defined as wrong. So what does that mean? In other words, you're driving 20 miles an hour. Driving 20 miles an hour is not wrong unless you're in a prohibited area where you are supposed to drive 15 miles an hour. So I think you can follow what I'm saying is one of those, there's a punishment for those that commit things such as murder. It's kind of what we would call black and white and obvious. And then there's those things that are prohibited. And then there is a penalty for those that commit something that is against what that has been prohibited. Now laying all that aside, we're going to read this morning in the book of Esther, chapter 1, if you mark there for just a minute, 
we read about a corrupt king that's going to use his powers to set laws because he is offended by the morals and ethics of another individual. That is disturbing. But folks, that very well was true then and probably will always be true as long as the history of mankind stands. Now you might be wondering this morning, if, if, if you're not in depth on this, you might be wondering, who's the king of Persia? And who is this person that he was offended at? It was his own wife. You see, there was this big drunken celebration that happened. book of Esther chapter 1 tells you about that. So what does this man do? Is that while he's having a big, uh, it was a big celebration and they were becoming intoxicated. And by doing that, his wife had set aside another gathering. The ladies had met in another place. So what did he do? Is after he'd had too much to drink, he begins to summon for his wife. And notice what happens when he summons for her because he wants to show off her beauty. Now I want to ponder for just a minute there and we're going to get to 1 Peter in, in that first chapter in a minute. But you know, sometimes we get so caught up in what we see. But remember this, the Pharisees could make things look good. Our life, whether it's in our bodies or in our deeds, it's not about how it looks to people, it's about how it looks to God. That's what's the most important thing. Here this lady was summoned by her husband, the king, and she said, no, I'm not going to go. So I'm going to read to the 19th verse of Esther chapter 1, and we're going to come back and read more of this here in just a minute. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written amongst the laws of the Persians and Medes. So in other words, if this lady is not going to listen to me, which is my wife, let it be written amongst the laws of the Persians and Medes and that it be not altered. In other words, once we make this law, there is no turning back. Notice what's going to happen here. Vashti here says that Vashti Come no before the king of Aserus and let the king give her royal estate unto another that it be better than she. He said, we're going to make us a law. I'm going to take away that royalty from the queen, which is my wife, and we're going to give it to another and we're not going to be able to change that. Now I'm going to be pretty honest with you this morning. In a drunken state, people say things that they don't realize and understand what they're saying. And here's where the problem is. Once this was put in law, you and I might word it like this. Once it's in concrete, you cannot undo that. Folks, I want to tell you something I believe in. I believe there are deeds that we can do in this life that there is no undoing. We might say we're sorry or we might apologize. You can't undo some things in life. You just They can't be undone. But here in this particular instance, there was a king... Notice what happened here. This corrupt king gave this corrupt command because he had these corrupt advisors and how they all go hand in hand. And what this law was had to do with Vashti here because she refused to do what he wanted to do. Here it is, this lady, that if you want to go back and read just a little bit more, I believe it is in about the 12th verse. But the queen of Ashti refused to come at the king's commandments by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth and his anger burned in him. You know what's really sad about this law is it punishes people with high standards in their life. Seemingly, this is not the... You and I are not in uncharted territory and I'm not saying that we are. I'm just 
talking in accordance to the scripture, people that have morals and ethics in life seems like sometimes in life that the odds are sometimes against them. You had a lady that said, I'm not about being paraded around based upon my looks or who I am. She said, I refuse to do that. So he said, you know what? We're going to make a law. And you know what? This turns into a battle of, instead of her going against what she believed in her morals and her ethics, he's going to go around and strike it against something that's now illegal. Again, let's change the speed limit. If you can drive 20 miles an hour, we're just going to drop the speed limit down so what you are doing is illegal. Folks, today, our society is always changing, but God's Word doesn't. Our society today becomes tolerable of so many things, but God's Word is not changing. Now, I tell you that this morning because we're going to read about one that the laws were going to change. But you know what? God's still going to get good out of that because Mordecai and Esther is going to come into this and God's still going to get glory out of what's going on here. But in this very first chapter here is that we see in the very first chapter of the book of Esther is that on the seventh day there in that tenth verse that he commanded, eleventh uh, verse says there, to bring Vashti to the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and she, excuse me, and the princess her beauty for she was fair to look upon. So here he wants to worry about what's on the outside. So what's going to happen is is that he's going to tell people that what's on the outside or she's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that because the outside is not near as important as what's on the inside. If you mark the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to go back and read for just a minute in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to... Skip down to about the, let's skip down to about the 12th verse. Unto whom it was revealed that not of themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desires to look into. Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind. In other words, be prepared for what's about to happen. Remember what we read to you in Romans in the very beginning. He says, be ye not therefore transformed. In other words, we do not are conformed to the things of the world. He said, be not conformed to the things of the world. He says, as obedient children, that 14th verse said in there, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. The book of 1 Peter, I want to spend a little time here this morning. The book of 1 Peter is all about human beings doing what is right. Not about what you want, not about maybe what you think is right. It's about doing what God says to do. So he said you need to, you need to, you need to gird up, you need to get ready. There's a battle that's going to happen. We're going to read here about uh, in, in the book of Esther chapter 1. Behashti there and how that, that she had to gird up and say, no, I'm not going to do things that I feel like are wrong. They, they go against my morals or my principles or my ethics. So here in the book of 1 Peter, we're going to see about how important it is for us 
to be submissive to God and His Word. I want to be totally transparent with you again this morning. One of the biggest conversations that people have about marriages today is that the man is the head over the woman and the woman's not going to answer to no man. They forget what a marriage is all about. If a man goes into a union thinking that he is the lordship over that marriage, he is missing the mark. If a lady goes into a marriage thinking that she has to answer to a man, she's missed the mark. For the importance is they be in harmony. You see today we're reading about a husband and a wife in the Old Testament that they were not in harmony. One was living one way and one was living another and that caused a little bit of a problem. But in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 talked about this same thing, very first verse. Wherefore laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He goes on there and he talks about how that we are lively stones and that we should live as servants of God. You can read down in that third, uh, excuse me, second chapter in the eleventh verse about how it's pilgrim and strangers and uh, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. He said, you, you need to be working together. So let's skip on down for just a minute. Well, let's read the thirteenth verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or in the governors, as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. So again, we're talking about how that, that, that there's a, a, a time in our life that we all are trying to live our lives together. But I want to get to 1 Peter chapter 3 for just a minute. A very misunderstood verse here says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if in any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Totally misunderstood that people think that sometimes it's a dictatorship, that the husband is going to tell the wife to do whatever he wants to do, and she's got to do it whether she likes it or not. The idea is they be in harmony Together. Folks, there's nothing any greater than a relationship between two people that's in harmony. If you don't believe me, do you think it's important for a church to be in harmony with Jesus? If you answer no, then we need to search our heart, for we all know that the greatest relationship between a church and Christ is that they be in harmony. And you see here, it's not a dictatorship, it's a working together. We work with Christ and Christ works with us. And we are going out into the world proclaiming the gospel. But notice what he says. Ye wives, be in subjection to your husbands. I got curious, what does that word subjection mean? Romans chapter 10, let me read you one verse if I may there, I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 10 and in the third verse says this. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Again, I want to go back into the book of Esther for just a minute. You've got one lady, you've got the, the, the queen here, uh, Behasti, she's abiding by the morals and ethics of God. You've got the king now is going against the things of God. And, and matter of fact, things have gone astray in this little gathering of people there. 
And it's gone in such a strain that he's not submitting to God. And that's where the problem is. But again, notice what we're talking about here is that being in subjection. You want to read something interesting, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And I believe it's in verse 51 if I can find it. Talking about Jesus here. You know how, you know how sometimes people struggle with subjection and, 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 and working together? Do we expect Jesus to do anything different than us? And He went down talking about Christ with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. In other words, Jesus listened to His parents. I'm going to get back to 1 Peter here in just a minute. Again, we're talking about maybe, maybe, maybe enough time is not spent on the family infrastructure that, that God has created. And you know, sometimes in our, our world today, it's kind of getting warped and I almost feel like the children are trying to get the parents in subjection. But the Bible says that the parents are to be the head and the parents are to be the, the, the lead in that. And notice what he's talking about here is that in this, this household is that it's not an authoritative. It's how that we're all in harmony and unison together. So let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Again, this is not authoritative. It's harmony and unity is what this is showing. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it be not that outward adorning of planting the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. <clears throat> Are you going to listen to what he's saying here? He said so many people is going to worry about what's on the outside. But he said, don't worry about the... By the way, ladies, I'm not saying you can't get ready and I'm not saying you can't fix up. What I am saying, what we are seeing is, is that that's not the most important thing, the outside. It's the inside that's the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with people getting up and putting on makeup and that's a whole nother lesson, a whole nother day. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is we cannot be more concerned with the outward man than we forget about the inward man. And that's what happened in the book of Esther is that he became so intoxicated and basically drunk that he got so worried about the, the, the outside of man that he wanted to show off her beauty and, he, and she was like, no, the outward beauty is not near as important as the inward beauty. But let's keep going. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Folks, this is getting deep here this morning. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Do you think our society today worries about appearance? But they don't worry about their morals and ethics. I'll tell you this, people lose more sleep over the, the, the way their clothes are instead of the lifestyle that they are living. And I'm not being judgmental. What I am saying is... It is not about what you see. It's about the heart of a man that's important. When we talk about penalties and punishments, it's our, our world today is trying to say, well, if this is what you're doing, we make this unacceptable. Or if this is what you want to do, we'll make this acceptable. Our society changes their, their standards. He said, I want you to look at the heart of a person in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. Folks, if you hear nothing else I tell you this morning, listen to what Peter is saying in a relationship. 
He said in these relationships, whether it be one person with another, whether children to their parents, a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband, to, their, uh, to, to our church, to Christ, whatever that relationship is, he said the most important thing is, and I want you to circle it, you can highlight it, you can write it down as your favorite verse if you want. But he said here, which he says, he says, which is in the sight of God of great Price. That just means it's precious to God. You see, there's something we read here about uh, Bahashti here and how that she didn't care about her outward beauty. She was concerned about her heart and her morals and her ethics. And she said, I'm not going to parade my beauty around. She said, I, it's, it's more important about who I am versus how we may look. i got to keep reading. There's a lot reading here in First Peter chapter 3. And I encourage you to read this chapter and study it. For after this banner in the old time... The holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. And again, we're talking about fixing up, but it also talks about after they had gotten in, in, in subjection to God, it says, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And again, it, this is not in a dictatorship. It says, whose daughters you are. As long as you do well and not afraid with my amazements. Likewise, ye husbands. You know what I said in the beginning that it's about a relationship? Now I want, to, I want to stop right there for just a minute. In a relationship, there's two parties. Between a husband and a wife, there's two parties. Between parents and children, there's two parties. There's the parents, there's the children. That's two parties. Between two parties, both sides have to do their part. Parents have to raise their children right. Children have to obey and do what's right. Husbands have to do what's right. Wives have to do what's right. Do you think that Christ has done what's right to His church? question is, how does the church respond to that? So likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Give honor unto the wife. She's not a slave. She's not a servant. She can bring glory unto God in her life too. As unto a weaker vessel, as becoming heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Notice what he said. He said, you two are twain together and you work for a cause for him. You go back in the Old Testament read in Esther. What we're reading there is, Vahashti there and the king, they were on two different pages. Relationships will get in trouble when you get on two different pages. When a church gets an agenda and Christ is trying to lead by His Spirit, folks, that is a recipe for disaster. Anytime that people want to go outside of the will of God versus being in the will of God, that can lead to contention or, or, or problems in a life. And you know, a lot of times if we would just listen to God and what He says. And I haven't finished reading this chapter yet. Notice what He said in that 8th verse. Finally, be ye all of one mind. I don't know about you, but Fahashti... I believe with all within me she wished that her husband, the king, would have had the same values she did. But the problem is he would not listen to God. I want to ask you a very personal question. Do you think that your values are the same values that the world has? Do you think that your morals and ethics as Christian people are the same thing in the morals and ethics that the world has? The king and the queen were on two different pages. And you know what? He is going to ride her out of there. So you know what's going to happen? I'm, I'm going to get back to this, Esther, in just a minute. 
is that they get rid of that so all of a sudden the people in town see how depressed he is when he sobers up and he comes to his senses. So they said, you know what? Let's have us a beauty contest. Let's find us somebody else. Well, there's a man by the name of Mordecai that by our, our, our terminology has a first cousin. The scripture says it was his uncle's daughter. He adopts this lady into his, in, in his, his family and now all of a sudden when they're having this, this contest, all of a sudden we see now that Esther is brought into the picture and she is going to be the next queen. Well, her beauty was something to look upon, but the thing is is that she is going to save the king. Go back and read the entire book of Esther because it tells you how that, that God is going to use her to still accomplish His will in His life. Evil is trying to do these things, but He's trying to tell them that they need to be of the same mind. Notice what He said in verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3 and 8. Finally, be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are there to called that ye should inherit a blessing. And I want you to again read, and I'm not going to read all of that, but, but again, you can read about how that the entire book of 1 Peter is talking about how that, 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 that we should be in harmony and how that we should be in unison one with another. Do you think that God gives us laws and guidelines that we should live by? I didn't mark this, but let's go back to the book of Exodus chapter 20 for just a minute. We got a lot of thou shalt nots. Even got a couple of things that we should do. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now that's not the opinion of your Sunday school teacher. That's not the opinion of a husband or a wife. That's not the opinion, uh, opinion of a child. That's not the opinion of a grandparent. That's not a deacon or a pastor's opinion. That is what God says. So what happens? Do we feel like that God is trying to keep something from us? Or do you think God is trying to keep something for us? You know, a lot of times in relationships, marriages, whatever we're talking about is that God wants that relationship to be pure. And He says, you don't need any other gods before me. He said, you don't need that temptation. You don't need that. He says, thou shalt have no other God before me. Don't you take anything and bring it here. He said, for nothing sufficient. Thou shalt make unto thee, not make unto thee any graven image. Verse 5, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Verse 7 says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Verse 8 says... This is not a thou shalt not. He said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. So he's talking about the, the, the holiness of the Sabbath. Verse 12 says this. This is not a thou shalt not. This is what we should do. Honor thy father and thy mother. Throughout all these scriptures, you can read all the way down to about the, the 17th verse there. It talks about how we should live our life. Now I want to pause right there for just a minute. God has laid out very plainly the things that we should and we should not do in our lives. You know, I've learned something about rules. Not just in classrooms, but in life. The fewer, the less there are, the sometimes the simpler it can be. We're not trying to memorize a thousand and two different rules in our life. Well, am I supposed to do this or am I not? Folks, let me tell you, God gave man some simple guidelines and rules that we should live by. And you know what? We still struggle with those. 
But here in these commandments, here in these, uh, the, the, these ten commandments that God has given us, we struggle with those because we have a human nature. We can't keep all of these. We can't do all these things. But God is definitely trying to keep us uh, uh, pure in His sight. So in these first 17 verses that you can read about here, is that we are given these instructions on how we should live our life, the things that we should do, but society is going to come along here with some other guidelines. Saying, well, if you can't live by these things, then let's just do this. In other words, the standards of God versus the standards of the world, they begin to change. When we talk about punishments and we talk about uh, how that, that, that uh, sometimes we go through punishments in our life and how that uh, sometimes we go through... Uh, the penalties in our life is that, that the world is going to change what is right and what is wrong. So that's what happened with Vashti. She was doing her business and as far as that with her, uh, the ladies that were over there, they were having a, uh, a, a time of gathering together. He ushered her away from there. She said no. So he said, we're going to stop this. So in, when he said, we're going to declare a law, that's what he said there uh, in the book of Esther. Let me turn back and read that again. The very first chapter in the 19th verse, he says... Let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written amongst the laws of the Persians and Medes that it be not altered. That Vashti come no more before King Asherius and let the king give her royal estate unto another that it be better than she. The laws that were changed were doing the best that they can to shackle and to restrict Righteousness. I won't tread carefully for just a minute. But folks, today I do believe that morals and ethics and righteousness in our world today, that if we're not careful, will do more and more to restrict us and to not be who God made us to be. I want to ask you a personal question this morning. Do you think that people struggle with who they are do you think that people struggle with who they are? Do you think sometimes people want to become somebody else? Or that we want to change ourselves or to, uh, to modify who we are? And you know what? I'm like David. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I am who I am. I, I, I look the way I look. I, I act the way I act. And sometimes I want to apologize for being just all over the place. Sometimes I want to apologize and I think, Lord, that is who you made me and that is how I am. And I do the best I can to overcome those weaknesses in my life. But God made us who we are. And we see here in the book of Esther that, 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 that the king said, you know what, I'm going to try to restrict your, your living right and your doing right. So he said, we're going to make this law. So it made her seem like that if she wasn't the queen, it was because she was disobedient. Well, where I struggle with that is, is that she wasn't being obedient. She was doing what she felt convicted that she needed to do. So here we are living our life and we're trying to do these things. And notice what happened is that these things happen and, uh, and these laws are coming along and they're trying to restrict us. But again, as I said to you a little earlier... Read the book of Esther because what happens is Mordecai has this, this cousin of his. She ultimately becomes a queen, but she ultimately is going to be the one that's going to save the king because there's going to be this decree, let's kill all the Jews. That's what's going to happen. And all of a sudden that there's this, this life-saving event that Esther is going to come along and she's going to initiate because she listened to God and she minded God. Uh, and and, and there, was, there was some disturbing things that go on there. Read again all of that. But do you think this morning God is able to take wrong 
and get good out of that. Yes, he can. But notice what he says in Psalm 76 and in verse 10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Now I want you to notice, God's going to have his way with things. If you mark first chapter of Esther, let me read to you again the 19th and, and some of this 20th verse. It says, If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, that Vashti come no more before the king, Asherius, and let the king give in her royal estate unto another that is better than she. So it says the king's decree published throughout all his empire. You know what's really sad or really struggling for me? You have a person out here that's trying to do right. She said, no, I'm not going to come at this beauty contest that you want me to when, when, when y'all become drunkards over here. and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he says, you know what? So we're going to make a law that you're no longer the queen because you're not submissive unto me. So what happens is, is that he declares, let me read to you again. It says, published throughout all his empire. Can I ask you something? Does it seem like evil is always finding a way to get their message out? I'm going to say that to you one more time. Published throughout all his empire. Folks, wrong or evil can spread like wildfire. But you take the truth, it's just bottled up in its head. There's pockets of churches and pockets of people all around and we don't need to hold that in. But let me tell you this, we have no trouble hearing about all the evil that's around us. If I pause for about two minutes, for all of us that probably have phones in our pockets, we could probably pull our phone out and within two minutes find out just exactly how evil this world is. But I want to tell you something, folks. I don't care how evil this world is. God is good. For all the people in the world that are getting beat down because they have morals and their ethics in their life, I pray that they would continue to rise up and say, God, you're in charge of this situation. You know what? The king later on uh, was suffering because of his lack of morals and ethics. And here we see here that Vahashti, that she kept these morals and ethics. And now it said, all of a sudden it says, and it was published throughout all the empire. How wrong and, and, and unjust and cruel it is. And you know what? It's easy for us as Christians today to say, you know what? We're just not being treated fairly in this world. But you know what? We're going to win in the end. We're going to, if we continue to stand up for what's right and we, 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 we stand for those things that we believe in, that ours too, that, that these things are going to happen. Are we the first people that's ever gone through injustice? Joseph, what happened to him? He was, he was basically sold by his brethren into slavery. Why? Not because of what he had done, but because of a gift that God had given him. John the Baptist, it cost him his very life because of what he believed in. Do your beliefs cost you anything? It cost Vashti there a queen. It cost her an inheritance. But I want to tell you something. I had rather lose everything this world has to give me and to not have a relation, than to not have a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? How many people out there today say, you guys can have your religion. You guys can have your relationships. I want to be the king. 
I want to be the queen. I want to be the one that has it all. And you know what this morning? I may be a, a poor man in the eyes of the world that's given up all we have. But I know this, that God will bless. For remember what we read to you there in the book of Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. I read to you the second verse, but I want to close by going back and reading the first verse. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, before I read the rest of that verse, the deeds that we do in this life, do you think we can please God or displease God? Absolutely. For we have to do that which is holy and acceptable unto God. Royalty says this is what you should do. Vashti said, nope, that's not what I'm doing. Because she knew that there was a higher answer she had to give unto God. Be holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I'm going to close with the very first verse I read to you. And be not conformed to this world. Penalties and punishments. Murder, that's okay, there's a punishment. Penalty means that now that it's, it's prohibited. You're driving too fast in a, in a zone. You can do that somewhere else, but you can't do it here. You know, the world tells us these things. They want to change their standards. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning, I pray that God would help us all not to conform to the world because I can tell you this. When you walk out in that world today, clay that is not hardened can be remolded. You know what? The world wants to catch us real soft and weak and they want to mold us into who they want us to be. Folks, my prayer is that when you walk out in this world, you cannot be changed outside of what God changes. And I'll tell you this, if God makes you who you need to be, the world can't do anything they can to rechange you or reshape you or to reform you because you are made by God. So this morning, through all the, the, the punishments and through all the penalties that we face in life, May we be, even as I asked you there, that we're willing to say, no, these are my morals and my ethics and this is what I feel like we need to do. The consequence was she was no longer the queen. But God's still blessed. This morning I want us to get a song if we could. Those are the scriptures I had upon my heart.